Hello. Am I on? Good stuff. First of all, before we get started, I just want to say this, and I feel like the, the Lord has really laid this on my heart. And, uh, and it's been six years since I've been able to worship in this place. A lot of you guys, I see a lot of new faces. I don't know a lot of you. My name is Kenneth Wagner. I, I, I found the true Jesus, the true meaning of worship at this place. Uh, Wendover Hills Wesleyan Church is an amazing, amazing place and house of God, an amazing place to worship. And so I just wanted to come up here for a short second and say this that you guys are a part of something special. This place is so special. I've, I, I, like I said, I learned what it meant to worship God. I learned what it meant to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbors, myself. Man, I lear- learned all of that in this place. And so if you ever doubt that you're part of something special, remember that this 23-year-old punk kid told you you're a part of something special. Because it truly is, man, I, I, I have the opportunity, I serve on the staff in uh, Harrington, Delaware, and you're like, where's Delaware? I don't know, it's north, you get on 85 and keep going, and uh, then you get on 95, but yeah, I serve on a staff up there, and man, we, we have some awesome times of worship, but listen, we, we, uh, we do our student ministry on Friday night, I think we might start driving down here every Saturday and just hanging out with you guys on Sunday, is that cool? Alright, cool. But uh, seriously, anyway... Um, it is an awesome opportunity to be here, awesome chance to, to be able to speak to you guys. And, and what I have to say this morning is, um, is I believe it's something that we all deal with. And uh, as we get started, I just want to pray, kind of transition into the sermon. So let's go to the Lord. Father God, thank you so much for this day. And I pray that, Lord, whatever comes out of my mouth, Lord, that it would be of you. Lord, that it wouldn't just be um, a cool story. It wouldn't just be words spoken from a book. God, that it would be inspired words from the holy word of God. God, that it would be words that come out of my mouth that have, flown for, that have come from you, that are flowing from you. And God, I just commit myself to you in this time. And it's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was a sophomore in, co- sophomore in college at Southern Wesleyan University, I'm going to kind of set this story up. Uh, I, had some, I had some awesome roommates. Uh, when you walked in, I'm going to set up my apartment. I'll tell you a little bit about each roommate. When you walked in the apartment, you opened the door, walked in, you're in the living room. As you're in the living room, it kind of connected to the kitchen. There was a bar in between. And the first, there was four bedrooms. First bedroom on the left was Matt Beasley. And we got some Beasleys here. So it was Matt Beasley. The first room on the right was my room. Back room on the left was my buddy Dustin. And the back room on the right was my buddy Davey. And so we, we had an awesome apartment. Like we never cleaned dishes or anything. It was awesome. So it was just always messy, always. Uh, but anyway, it was an awesome apartment. We had this huge red nasty couch that just sat in there. We have a lot like that in my youth room right now, but that's cool. So um, we had these, it was an awesome apartment. So we're sitting there and we're, me and my buddy Dustin were the only ones in the apartment and we were being just like all mature sophomores in college do, right? We were playing airsoft. You guys know what airsoft is, little like plastic pellets that hurt like crazy when they sting you, you know what I'm saying? And so we're playing airsoft, you know, we're both ministry majors, like so mature, you know what I'm saying? And so we, we're shooting each other back and forth. I'm in the living room. Dustin's in his room because he's a punk and he's got the door closed and he's like, he's got the door closed and like shooting out of his door, you know, like I'm, what in the world? You know, he's just a wuss. He didn't want to get shot. And so we're like sneaking around. I'm like coming over the couch and like, I don't have the automatics. I'm like, you know, like putting a pellet in there every time and all this stuff and I'm going crazy. And so um, as you go back to the back of the apartment, there was this laundry room and the laundry room opened up 
both doors, and they uh, was looking directly at Dustin's room. And I'm like, <laughs> wait till he opens his door this time. You know what I'm saying? And so he opens his door, and I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And I just start lighting him up. And like, we're running around the apartment going crazy, and like, I'm ramboing it over the couches and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, Davey, Davey was outside getting a haircut, okay? And this kind of setting this up, and Davey's getting a haircut. And when you get a home, homemade or homegrown haircut, what's the first thing that usually comes off? Your shirt, exactly. Thank you. And so Davey's outside. He's got his shirt off. He's getting his hair cut. And Davey's a pretty boy, so he's making sure it's right, you know, and everything. Hope Davey listens to this, by the way. That'd be kind of cool. So, and so Davey's got his shirt off, and he's out there getting his hair cut. And then he, all of a sudden, me and Dustin are just like lighting each other up, shooting back and forth, and the door opens, right? Davey's got his shirt off. And Davey hits the ground, man. It's like... You know, he just starts army crawling all the way back to his room. He gets around the first couch, gets to like the kitchen counter. And at that point, me and Dustin are converging on each other. You know, it's like operation, like, you know, Iraqi freedom. We're coming at each other, you know, and all this stuff. And so that we're coming at each other and Dustin gets to the, gets to the uh, kitchen counter and I'm on the other side of the kitchen counter. We kind of look at each other. We've got both guns drawn. We're like, truce. We make the eye contact, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we got each other, you know? And then we did like any good friend would do. We look at Davey. Davey's on the ground, shirt off. Then we look back at each other and we're like, yep. <laughs> and we turn to Davey, boom, 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 we start lighting him up. I mean, this dude had welts on him. It was like, it looked like he had chicken pox all over again. I mean, it was absolutely crazy at what he, what he was it was really bad. And so Davey, he's like usually this calm, cool, collected guy. He gets up, and there's like a trash can that's, you know, n- definitely not empty because it's in a college dorm. And he punts this, this trash can. Trash goes everywhere. You know, he's breaking stuff. Not really. He didn't get that upset. But it, anyway, Davey walked that day. Davey walked into the war zone. And Davey had no clue that he was walking into the war. And, but Davey, as soon as he walked in, he saw things. They reminded him of a war that was going on, so Davy hit the ground. And you're like, how is this kind of tie-in? What in the world are you talking about? Well, today I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about the idea that we're all, every single day, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual battle. And the deal is, it doesn't matter if you choose to acknowledge it or not. It doesn't matter if you like, you know what, the enemy's not getting to me. The world's not going to touch me. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm doing good. I'm okay by myself. Listen, it doesn't matter if you acknowledge it or not, you're still in a war on a daily basis. And you're like, what war are you talking about, guys? And you, Kenneth, you're like, what? I, don't, I don't get this. I thought Christians, you know, I didn't think they were like for war or anything like that. Guys, listen, I'm not talking about like Afghanistan or Iraq, which I value our soldiers completely. That is an awesome, awesome thing that they do for us, supporting us, giving us freedoms and things like that. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Guys, it's the war that makes you doubt. We got any doubters in the room? It's the war that makes you focus on your imperfections and your failures. It's the war that causes you guilt for your past. Every hand probably go up. It's the war that makes you focus on your addictions. Guys, it's any war that makes you lose focus of God's grace, His power, and His mercy. And in our life, we're called to make war against anything that does those things. Anything that makes us take our eyes off of God's power, God's grace, and God's mercy, we're called to make war against those things in our life. 
John Piper says, um, I listen to John Piper a little bit, I don't listen to him a whole lot, but he says in one of his sermons, he said, I hear so many Christians talking about their imperfections and their failures and their shortcomings. He said, but I see so little war. You know, we come to accountability group and it's the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I struggle with that. Yeah, I struggle with that. Guys, we need to stop talking about because what it ends up sounding like is want, well, want, want, want. You know what I'm saying? You start hearing the same thing. It sounds like murmur, murmur, murmur. That's all, we, that's all we end up hearing. We need to make war against those things. And the reason we need to make war is because our enemy is like a lion roaring. He's seeking whom he may devour. And so today, I want you to understand that here's the deal. That we can either fight a spiritual fight or we can die a spiritual death. We can either fight a spiritual fight or we can die a spiritual death. I remember when I was in college, and Sherry can attest to this. Sherry's my wife. She's awesome. She writes all my messages, so if you think it's good, ask her for it. Um, but I remember in college, uh, I was, I was, you know, my freshman, sophomore, and some of my junior year, I would lay on my bed and I would just cry because I doubted so much. I was like the biggest doubter. If you look up Webster, in Webster's doubter, Kenneth's picture was right beside it. You know what I'm saying? I was the biggest doubter. I, I doubted that I was saved. I was studying for ministry, and I would doubt that I was even saved, that I accepted Jesus Christ. You know, I would, I, the enemy would just torture me with that stuff. And, man, I had to make war against those things. But here's the deal. I was wondering, I'm wondering this morning, how many of you guys right now have something in your life that Satan is using to beat you up? Be honest. Satan uses it every single day to beat you up. But we got any honest this Sunday. So uh, we, as opposed to, like, lying Saturday, it's tell the truth Sunday. So... But I would be willing to say that we all have something, whether it's our past, whether it's addictions, whether it's failures, whether it's shortcomings, something in our life that Satan uses to beat us up. And see, I would question whether I really knew Jesus or not. And I would cry, man. And it hurt me so bad because I knew I loved God, but I didn't really know if I knew him. Has anybody ever been there? And I would sit there and I would just weep, man. And then one day I woke up. I don't remember what day it was. But I said, I'm not going to doubt it anymore. I believe that Jesus Christ came. He died on a cross. He was nailed to a cross. It looked a lot like that one. His hands were spread out. His feet were nailed to a cross. And I believe he died. And on the third day, I believe he rose again. And I believe that the minute that I asked for uh, salvation, April 1st, 1995, when my dad led me to Jesus Christ, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I believe that that day he set me free. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to doubt it anymore. I'm not going to, because that's what Satan wants. You know what Satan does when we doubt, when we focus on our imperfections? He paralyzes us. We can't move forward. We can't do things that God has called us to do because we're stuck. We're stuck because he paralyzes us. He gives us that fear that we're not good enough. We need to make war. I decided that day I was going to make war against those things. You see, if there's a victory, and we sang this song, uh, we sang this song in our youth group, it's called, it's called Shouting to God. I don't know if you guys sing it. Because the enemy's been defeated and death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make our praises loud. And shouting to God with a voice of triumph. Shouting to God with a voice of praise. And if there's a victory, guys, there's got to be a war. And if there's a war, that means there's got to be an enemy. And see, I don't know what you think about this. Maybe you're sitting here like, dude, you are crazy. Off your rocker. But listen, it doesn't matter. Like I said at the very beginning, it doesn't matter if you acknowledge it or not. The war is still going on. The war is still going on. We could, we could say, you know what, I don't believe that Iraq even exists. But guess what? The war is still going on. 
I don't believe that Afghanistan even exists. Guess what? The war is still going on. We can try to paint that picture in our mind to, to try to check it out and say, you know what, I don't believe in that, but it's still going on. I want to I read to you some scripture from Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to give you a second to turn to Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 6. Try to mix my words. So I'll give you a second. I think it's going to be on the screen. It already is. Good. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And see, here's the deal. Like, I want to I point that out. So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. If, if we don't believe there's a war, then you pretty much just check this out. The Bible is of no use to you. Because if one part's not true, the whole, part's not tr- the whole thing's not true. So you can't believe what you want to believe. You can't pick and choose what scriptures you want to follow. Dude, it's the whole thing or it's nothing. Verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And I want you to understand this today. That if these powers that they talk about in the scripture, if they have control over you, it's because you've allowed them to. If you're a follower of Christ, these powers have no control over you unless you allow them to. Because when Jesus Christ was on the cross, what was his last words? Does anybody remember? It is finished. It is finished. What he meant by that is he said, that's it. It's no more obeying the law. The Pharisees had like 613 laws. It's no more about obeying all the laws. It's no longer about just keeping and checking off the Ten Commandments. It's about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And do that absolutely. That fires me up, man. We, all, that is all, it, we make it so complicated. Man, what do I have to do, God? He says, love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. I challenge you when you go home to write those down, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and write ways that you can worship him in all those areas. And a lot of times, us as Christians, we we still have those sins that we entertain, those pet sins, you know what I'm saying, that we keep around, that we kind of keep covered up. And I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that if you're a Christian that you have to be perfect. But what I am saying is that you're struggling with something, let somebody know. Make war against it. You know, I had a, I had a student, I, I, I sit in on a high school small group in our, in our ministry, and uh, I had a student that was struggling with pornography, all right? And he struggled with pornography, and he used his iPod Touch to do so. And guess what he did? He told his dad, first of all, that was pretty bold. Second thing he did was he said, every time my door is closed, my iPod Touch has got to be outside of my room. You set boundaries. If you're struggling with something, make war against it. Make war against it. Don't continue just to struggle. Listen, if you struggle with alcohol, don't go to the bar. 
you struggle with alcohol, don't surround yourself with friends who struggle with the same thing. If you struggle with doubts, get into the Word of God. It's filled with promises all the way through. If you struggle and you have insecurities, quit listening to the enemy's lies. We can't just keep doing these things and say, oh, it's all good, nobody knows. It's all good, I can kind of keep this, it's no big deal, God's going to forgive me. My question for you if, you, if you, if you're going down that path, would say this. Do you want the enemy to win in your life? Some mornings I wake up, how many of you guys ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Anybody ever do that? Dude, if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, I'm like cranky, I got a headache, I'm a jerk to be around most of the time. And so sometimes I get um, kind of brought back down to earth a little bit by my uh, loving partner, Sherry. And uh, she'll come to me and say this. She'll say, you going to let the enemy win today? Oh, and that fires me up, boy. You're going to let the enemy win today. And so I, I leave that with you guys. Are you going to let the enemy win in your life? Is that okay with you that Satan is getting the glory for your life instead of Jesus Christ? I don't think so. That fires me up. That motivates me to live for him. So are you fighting the war today, or are you just kind of relaxing, just kind of letting life come as it may? We can't just live life on the defensive. We have to live life on the offensive. Let's look at the armor of God. I want to, I want to kind of break this down for a second. If you can throw those verses back up there talking about the armor of God. I think it's starting in verse, um, let me see here, 14. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. And some people ask, like, what is the belt of truth? I think uh, we, this is so fitting because we had the graduates today. It's so fitting because I got to speak at the baccalaureate. Our, one of the high schools up there in, in Delaware still does a baccalaureate service where they have, like, a Christian service before graduation. That is so cool. Like, there's not many schools that do that, and I'm like, that's, that's an awesome thing. But I spoke on this very passage right here, and it says, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And so many times in the public schools, they teach you all this stuff about like the Big Bang, and they teach you all this stuff about um, evolution and how we came from monkeys and all this different stuff. But listen, they never teach you this stuff. They never teach you that right now, the earth is speeding through the galaxy at 67,000 miles per hour, while at the same time it's spinning on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. They don't teach you that we're on a 23.5 degree tilt so we don't become what's called tidally locked and some, some part is facing away from the sun and the other part is facing towards the sun. They don't teach you uh, that you know, the, the, the oxygen levels in the, in, that we're breathing right now is 21%. If it was 19%, we'd die. If it was 23%, we would die. They don't teach you that the same amount of salt that's in the ocean is the same amount of salt that is in our bodies. They don't teach you. I mean, all that stuff's by chance, right? Right? Yeah, right. I mean, we're 93 million miles away from the sun. 93 million miles away from the sun. If we were 92 million miles away from the sun, we would burn to death. If we were 94 million miles away from the sun, we would freeze to death. They don't teach you that stuff. And so when you go to college and you start to hear these smart professors and you're like, dude, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe evolution is true. Maybe the Big Bang is true. Guys, I want you to buckle the belt of truth and know what God has done. That God has created this universe. It's not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Our heart doesn't beat like this. Our mind doesn't think like this. Our eyes don't see like this by chance. We need to have the belt of truth buckled around our waist, man. And so when you go to college and somebody tries to challenge you on that, just, just take that to your professor. Dude, how, how, 67, 000, how do you explain that? that? That's just by chance. 67,000 miles per hour. 93 million miles away from the sun. Let, try to get them to explain that to you. Now, that's just coincidence. The breastplate of righteousness. 
Every morning we've got to wake up and we've got to put on that breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate's kind of like the front. It's what everybody sees. It's kind of like our name tag. God, when God looks at us, if we're a child of God, he sees his son, Jesus. But the, the rest of the world, they see our actions. They see what we do. And so we need to wear that breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. It says, with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Be telling people about this place where you come to worship, man. This place is so awesome. To be able to worship and to be able to, to sing with, with this team that practices and pours out their all to lead you in the presence of God and get out of the way. That's awesome. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We all have those arrows, doubts, insecurities. We need that shield every single day. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet's pretty important. You know, you can fight without an arm or a leg. Your head's gone, you're pretty much done, you know? That's uh, just throwing that out there. And it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If, if you're a Christian... You need to be in the Word of God. You need to understand what's in here so that you can stand against the battles. And what did Jesus use when he was being tempted? Scripture. But I want to take a few seconds, just real quick. I'm almost done. And I want to explain to you some of the tactics, some of the enemy's tactics, and, and some of the things that he uses. The first thing I've noticed in our, in our kind of this generation today is um, just a sense, a small sense of apathy. And basically what apathy means is that we just don't give a rip about anything. You know, like I see things, I saw, I saw uh, a story on TV the other day, uh, not the other day, it was a couple months ago, about uh, this, these kids in Chicago. They were walking home from school and these, these kids got in a fight. Did anybody see that where they got jumped? And there was like 80 kids on this one kid and nobody stopped it. Nobody stopped it. We have this sense of apathy in our, in our culture today that we're like, you know, we're not willing to really stand for anything. Diversion. God's called us to something. We know he's called us to something. But we let things cut in on us, whether it's a relationship with a guy or a girl that we know God doesn't want us in, whether it's uh, an addiction. The enemy uses diversion. He uses gossip. We backbite, we talk about this, we talk about that, and we really don't even know what the truth is about any of it. Rumors, that never happens. The enemy uses distraction. Busyness, and I heard busy kind of broken down as bound under Satan's yoke. So if you're busy and you don't have enough time for God, you're right where Satan wants you. A hinderer, that's what Satan is. He's a tempter. He's a liar. He throws guilt on us. There's a difference between guilt and conviction. Conviction comes from God. Once we ask for forgiveness, it goes away. Guilt comes from the enemy. So if we have guilt from our past, that's the enemy trying to paralyze you. And I want to end with this illustration. I was in the mall. Uh, we were in Wilmington, North Carolina on vacation a, a few, few weeks ago. And uh, I was sitting there reading a book, and Sherry was doing something, shopping, or getting her nails did, or something like that, and so, I was sitting there, and I was reading a book, and this kid ran by, and he was with his mom, he's probably, I'm bad with ages, probably, I would say, two years old, do they walk at two years old, last night, I was asking if babies come with manuals, me and, me and Crystal were wondering that, if they come with manuals, do you know, Jason's my brother, that guy that was standing right here, that's my brother, that's pretty cool, anyway, sorry, whoa, there's a bird, okay, I'm back on track here, but I was in the mall the other day, 
And this little kid was walking by with his mom, and he's doing the, you know, like the whole like uh, waddle thing towards his mom, and he was having an awesome day. Like you could tell that it was just him and his mom. They were just kind of, kind of chilling out at the mall. And then uh, I was sitting there for probably 30, 40 minutes, and he comes walking back by, and his mom cuts across the middle of the mall, and um, and there's these little like the um, like the you know the the horses and the merry-go-rounds and stuff like that. And it was up on a small platform, and the kid's walking by, and she cuts across. And he goes to cut across, and he hits the corner, and he falls right on his face, and he doesn't get his hands up, and it just, bam, right there on his, on his mouth. And, like, he lets out this absolutely, like, blood-curdling yell. And, you know, I kind of thought about that, and I related it to our spiritual life. That we'll be having a great day. We're, we're going, everything's going good. We're walking towards God. We're like, God, I love you. God, I'm, I'm with you. There is nothing like your love. I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. And listen, it's easy to sing those things, but when you try to live that stuff out, it gets a little tougher. I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. No matter what, God, I'll love you forever. God, it doesn't matter what you do, what kind of things you put in my path, I'll love you forever. And then all of a sudden, the enemy throws up some past in there and just you fall square on your face. I'll love you forever, God. I'll love you forever. And that guilt just takes over, man. I'll love you forever. And the addiction creeps back in, man. I'll love you forever. And we start walking towards God. And look, just like that kid, it ruined his day for that little bit of time. But he ran to his mom, and his mom picked him up in, his, in her arms. And after a while, he stopped crying. And that's the same thing our Heavenly Father does with us. When we're walking and we fall and we get back up, I'll love you forever, I'll love you forever, we fall, get back up, and all the time our Heavenly Father is standing there saying, come on, come on, you can do it, I believe in you, man, I believe in you, I believe in you, you can do it. And the way we do that, man, the way we get to that point is by making war against the things that separate us from God. And some of, there's probably some, all of us in this room that have one thing that separates us from God on a regular basis. I want to challenge you today. I want to read this quote the other day. I read this quote the other day. I want to read it to you. It said, Sin murdered Christ. Will you be a friend to it? Sin pierced the hands and feet of Jesus. Can you love it? You see, Satan's been defeated through, through Jesus on the cross, but it's us that still remains. Our fleshly selves, we still, we still are here. And so we have to daily make war against anything that separates us from God. And so I just want to pray for us. And I think the worship team is going to come back forward and lead us a little bit more, so I'm, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I realize that there is people in here, God, that are struggling with this exact thing. God, they're struggling with this, this same old sin in their life. And God, to deal with it, Lord, we need to make war against it. We need to say, God, no matter what, I'm not going to let the enemy win in my life. I'm not going to let the enemy win. So God, I pray that you would be with every single person in this room, God, that they leave this place, that they would be filled up. God, that they wouldn't feel just convicted over a heavy sermon, but God, they would say, you know what, I'm not going to feel convicted. I'm going to say, God, forgive me of this. Forgive me for what stands in between us, and I'm going to love you forever. I'm going to love you forever, no matter what. So God, we commit this message, we commit this word to you, Father, knowing that you're going to multiply it, God, that you're going to make it stick in our hearts, you're going to make it stick in our minds for the weeks to come. God, I ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys.